called us to do. And you know, I thank God for that. I thank, for, I thank God for Calvary's cross, folks. And listen, it's never for us to be ashamed. It's time for us to shine in America. It's time for us to shine in America. It's time for us to pray. It's time to beg God. It's time for us to communicate uh, with God. We don't have time, folks. Time is running out. Did you know time is of the essence? Time is of the essence right now. It's running out. Let's read as we read every Sunday morning. Let us stand from the from our, our up, 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 up and away. Let's stand and reverence God today. Let's read Galatians 2 and 20 as we read every Sunday morning. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. <coughs> Amen. You may be seated today. Now, see, you didn't realize you were going to have to say that by yourself, did you? <clears throat> you've heard your pastor say it for so many years, but you know, by the time you've heard it so many times, you should have it already memorized. Now, I give all our visitors today a pass because they don't hear this all the time, but we quote this scripture every Sunday morning. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Folks, that is a scripture that I have been reading for many, many years here at this church and that is, that is our purpose. That is what God is asking us is to live the crucified life. Is it easy? No. Is it hard? Yes. But you can make it because Jesus says, I've made it. I've been through it. And he says, if I've made it and I've been through it, you can also go through it as well. So I thank God today that he does bring provision and that he keeps his hand upon us today. I want to welcome those that are watching us live today. My prayers are something I can say to you and your family to encourage you along the way as we get into God's Word today. If you have the sword of the Spirit, hold it up high. That's the Word of God. We've got some already holding up here and here. It's already in the pew. It's going to be projected on the screen. We're going to get into God's Word today. I want you to go with me. We are in the Old Testament. There is a Old Testament and New Testament. We're in the Old Testament. So I want you to go with me to 1 Samuel, the 12th chapter, beginning with the first verse. We're in the Old Testament. 1 Samuel, the 12th chapter, beginning with the first verse. And these will be the, one of the first few books of the Bible will be at the beginning of your Bible as you see uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. As you go all the way through, you'll see there will become uh, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings. It's going to be right in that area, but I want you to go to 1, 1 Samuel 12 and 1. The title of my message today is this, and we're talking about our 21 day of uh, prayer and fasting. The sin of prayerlessness. The sin of prayerlessness. Do you know we are sinning every day if we are not praying? Now I'm going to show you in the scriptures here today that God calls on us as Christians to pray every day. 
If we can spend hours on social media, if we can spend hours on our phone, if we can spend hours watching TV, watching a movie, if we can spend hours doing what we want to do, when we want to do it, how we want to do it, where we want to do it, then there is no excuse, including your pastor, there is no excuse why we are not praying. Some has come to me and said, Pastor, what's going on? What's happening in the church? What's happening with people? I'm going to tell you what's happening. We're not praying. We're not praying. We have substituted the prayer life for something else, and we put it in place of something else, and you will not, and let me share with you today, you will not see any results if you do not pray. Pray is the key factor in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Prayer is essential to communicate with God. That's where God will communicate with you on a daily basis, but you've got to communicate with Him. And some will say, well, Pastor, I only call Him when I need Him. Only when I'm in a dilemma. Only when I'm dealing with a circumstance. Only when I'm feeling like I need to. No, you must communicate with Him day in and day out. Can I hear an amen to God's Word? <coughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Strap on, guys, and let's get in the Word, because here we go today, okay? I want you to stick with me. Stick with me today. Here we go. In chapter 12, I'm going to give you a little synopsis on chapter 12. As we get into God's Word here, and I'm going to give you a little bit on the, the story in the background. In chapter 12 of 1 Samuel, it begins with Samuel knowing that he is a prophet, he is a priest, and he is a judge. He's all three. Samuel is a prophet, he is a priest, and he is a judge. In chapter 12 of 1 Samuel, begins with Samuel attempting to make it, it a sure thing to the people of Israel Okay, that they do not have the thought or belief that he's cheated them or misled them in any way during his time as a judge or a prophet over the nation. <coughs> he made the people witness before the Lord and he anointed on, uh, anointed on his works while he held office and the people witnessed before the Lord his anointed that Samuel did not abuse his power as a priest, as a judge or prophet. So he's telling the children of Israel of, of him holding the office. The people witnessed before the Lord and his anointed that Samuel did not abuse his power. He defrauded the people or oppressed them at any time during his servitude to the nation. Samuel rehearses the story of Israel from the days of Moses and Aaron unto their present day. He talked about Israel forsaking God for Balaam and Ashtaroth. But God still mercifully sent uh, uh, Jerubbabel and uh, Bedad and uh, Jephun and even Samuel himself. These were judges of the names I just mentioned. Those are kind of tough names to say, but those were judges that also came with Samuel himself to help restore the truth and the mercy to the children of Israel. God even gave them a king. And this is what I want you to know today. God gave them a king when God Himself was their king. 
So Samuel is letting uh, Israel know, serve God, and God appoints kings faithfully to show how wicked a thing it was to ask a king from God. Samuel said he will call for thunder and rain from God, and he did, and God sent thunder and rain. I want you to know today as we look at this, the sin of prayerlessness. Here we have the children of Israel as we look at this in the Old Testament. They begin to get their eyes on other nations around them. They begin to see how they're operating. Oh, they have a king. Oh, I'd like to have a king. Oh, they have a ruler. Oh, I'd like a ruler. And they begin to look at other nations around them. And Israel was the only one that didn't have the king at the time because they had Samuel. He was a priest. He was a judge and he was a prophet. So in other words, as he was the priest, he was the pastor of Israel. And so God would speak to Samuel and Samuel would speak to the children of Israel. And he would say, thus saith the Lord, this is what the Lord says. Israel, this is what you have to do. And they eventually you know, begin to follow Samuel and then they got their eyes on other people around in the nation and says, wait a minute, we don't want to hear from you, Samuel. We want a king. We, we, want, we want royalty. We, we want a king to rule us. And Samuel says, well, wait a minute. God speaks to me, and then when he speaks to me, then I'll speak to you, and I'll let you know, because God has his hand on you. And they said, but no, we, we, we really want a king. We, we, we want to be like everybody else. And, and Samuel saying, well, 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 wait a minute, this is really what you want? And so Samuel saying, well, I want you to know I have not defrauded you. I have not done anything against you. I have not misled you. I have communicated with God and you still don't want me to be over you? And also he brings three of the judges in and says, will you concur with them? Will you let them know that I have been a priest to them? I have been a prophet to them. I've been a judge to them. But, but, but can't, you, can't you see what I'm trying to do? Israel says, no, but we see. We see you've been very good to us, Samuel. We see what's, what's going on, but we want a king. Because we need someone to rule over us. In other words, the children of Israel begin to get their minds off of God and begin to get their minds on themselves. And guess what? They begin to start not praying. And it became prayerlessness. Because they thought the king had all the answers for them just like all the other nations. And they didn't need God because we got a king now that we're wanting. So what does Samuel do? Samuel goes before the Lord and says, Lord, listen, they're wanting a king like all the other nations, Lord. This is so bad. God says, Samuel, don't take it personal. If Israel wants a king... I will give them a king because they're not mad at you. They're mad at me. So Samuel says, okay, God, if that's what you want, then I'm going to do it. So guess what? God begins to work on a king in their lives. And Samuel could have said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pray for them anymore. 
I'm not even going to call on them anymore because they're, they, they don't want me. So I, I'm just, in other words, I'm just going to take my, pull my flag down and go home. No, he didn't have that attitude. His attitude was, I'm going to pray for Israel. Because Samuel says, you're going to need God one day. You might want a king right now. And you think the king has all the answers for you. But one day, you're going to need God. And God is, God is trying to tell you that He's trying to help you, but now you're seeking other things around you. Folks, I want you to know today, prayerlessness will creep in our hearts and lives when we allow every other thing around us to take place of our prayer life. We can't just come to church on Sunday mornings and just pray. We can't just come to church on Wednesday nights and just pray. We are to pray at our homes. We are to pray. The, Paul, the Apostle Paul says, clearly he says, pray without ceasing. You say, well, pastor, I work on a job. Yes, you may work on a job. I work on a job, but I still can pray in my mind. I can still pray in my heart. I can pray in my car I can pray in my house I can pray wherever in my mind God says we must communicate with him day in and day out and we can't do it just on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights we've got to be in prayer we've got to push those things that we think we need in our lives and begin to sacrifice and say Lord I fully surrender to your Lordship have your way in my life you want to know why God's not close to you? It's because you're not praying enough. We've got to pray. When you pray, pray some more. When you pray, you pray some more. You keep praying until the answers comes in your life. There are those that will seek church. They'll seek other things. But listen, we are needing to pray. Our world is in a mess. America's in a mess. Our churches are in a mess because we're not praying. We're not trusting God. We're not coming back to the altar and bending our knees and saying, Lord, I fully surrender to your Lordship. Listen, we are going to be a church that will wind up being wax coal if we don't keep prayer in the center of our hearts and our lives. You are the church. When you walk out this door, the church goes right out the door. When you come back, the church comes right back in. This is just a shell. This is just a building. But your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is the one that must stay intact at all times. You must be communicating with God because if not, you will find other things that will take the place of the prayer that you need to get in communication with. God listen Samuel was the man that the people had rejected Samuel had walked with God he had talked with God he began to let God know God they don't want me anymore why because they sought other things around them they wanted to be like everybody else. So listen, we can't begin to line ourselves up with the Joneses. We can't be lining ourselves up with the world. We can't be lining ourselves up with everything else. Listen, Jesus loves those that are in the world, but he's not of the world. He's in the world, but not of the world. 
And he clearly lets us know that we must separate ourselves and go into our prayer closet and begin to pray and say, Lord, have your way in my life. You want to see a change in your life? Get into a prayer mode. You want to see things around you change? Then get in a prayer mode. You want to see results? Stay in prayer because that's where your answer is at, is in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus prayed, and if he prayed, we've got to pray also. Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he prayed to the Father. And he said, Lord, if it's not my will, but your will be done, let this cup pass. He's about to be crucified. He's about to be nailed to the tree. The humanity of Christ came out in him saying, I don't want to go through this. But God the Father never answered. But Jesus kept praying. He kept praying. He kept praying to his Father. But God never said no. God said yes because he saw what he saw would be much greater than Jesus Christ because he would see him on a tree. And Jesus realized it. And he said, but Father, not my will, but your will be done, Lord. I will consider it done. If Jesus agonized as he prayed, as his sweat became as drops of blood, oh my goodness, we hadn't even scratched the surface of us praying to even see our sweat become like blood. Why? Because we've got our eyes on everything else going on. That's what's happening. Our eyes is on everything else. We're going to be, we're, in, we're, we're entangled with other things. We're hip, hypnotized by other things around us. There's so much else going on that we can't for one second give enough room to stay in before the Lord in prayer, to pray over our families. People want to know, Father, want to know, why is the families acting crazy, Pastor? Why is my family this and that? Have you been praying for your family? Have you been getting in touch with God's throne room? Have you been doing what God has required of me and you to do? I'm not talking to sinners today. I'm talking to saints. It is required unto us to communicate with God through the power of prayer. All of you, including myself, we have people that need prayer. You've got loved ones that don't know Jesus Christ. They need to be prayed for. There are those that are sick in body that need to be prayed for. There are people that are dealing with oppression. There is people that are dealing with depression. There is people dealing with anxiety. There is people that are dealing with addiction. There are those that are dealing with habits. We got a lot on our plate that we have to pray about, but we can't be prayerlessness because we're walking in sin and we're not walking in Jesus Christ. Folks, this is where the rubber meets the pavement. The pastor can't do it all. I can't do it all. I wish I could. I wish I could be the one-man band that does it all, that helps everybody, that heals everybody, that does everything and gets it all done. I cannot do it by myself. And Let me go a step further. It was never designed for Samuel to do it all. It's never designed for a pastor to do it all. 
It is designed for the body of Christ to step up and become a team player. It is time for the church to be the church and step up and do your part and help your pastor, help your deacon, help your friends, help your loved ones. It is a group effort. It is a team effort. Jesus appointed 12 disciples. He didn't point two. He didn't point six. He pointed 12. And he said, go ye into all the nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost and begin to bring them in. Folks, if we're sitting around waiting for the great in gather and waiting for it to come in, it's not going to come, folks. It is not going to come. God has called us to do a work for Him. He has called us. He has commissioned us to mission this world. Oh, but pastor, the church down the road, they've got a great church going on down there. Oh, they've got the greatest entertainment you've ever seen. Black lights, all the music, all the fame. Oh, that's great. But after all that's gone, are they going to still come back? Are they going to still come back to the church? When all the activities are gone, are they still going to come back? Listen, where is your heart and the passion for the Lord Jesus Christ? He bled and died on the cross for you over 2,000 years ago. The least that you can do is communicate with God through the power of prayer and begin to say, Lord, search me, know me, see if there's any wicked way in me. Try me, Lord. See if there's something in my heart that's not right. David knew that he had something in his heart that wasn't right. He knew that he had something that he had, had been away from God. He knew clearly that when he looked at Bathsheba and took Uriah's uh, wife, which was Bathsheba, he wanted it, he got it. But he realized what he had, he couldn't handle it because everything that David did was never ordered by God. He came straight from the pits of hell. Why? Because he was king of Israel. See, he walked away from God. From a smelly shepherd. From a smelly shepherd. He was picked out by, his, by Samuel. Jesse was there, his father. And he was picked out to be the king of Israel. The most ruddiest looking little runt. He became king. And when he was king... He thought, I don't have to go to battle anymore because I'm the king of Israel. He got his mind on himself. He got his mind on being a king. Just like Israel wanted a king, they got their mind off God. David got his mind off God and he says, I'm king. I can do what I want to do, be what I want to be, say what I want to say, go where I want to go, do what I want to do. And see, he realized that he left the presence of the Lord. But see, as time went on and the plot thickened in David's life, he had sons and he had daughters. And they all began to turn on each other. Oh, it got thicker. It got thicker. Oh, they put Uriah in the hottest battle. David was going to put the, the commander in the hottest battle. I've got to get rid of him. I've taken his wife. I've got to get rid of him. I'm going to put him in the hottest battle. I'm going to distinguish. I'm going to take care of that. Oh, but the plot even thickened. Oh, they got rid of him, but the plot even thickened. Oh, now his kids are now acting wild. 
His kids are gone buck wild. You see, sin will take you more than more further than you want to go and keep you longer than you want to stay. But David stopped praying to communicate with God. And it became one big mess. And folks, if we stop praying for our families, we stop praying for our friends, and we stop praying for our church, and we start praying. Not praying for what you want. Praying for what God wants in your life. Jesus said, it's not my will, Lord, but your will be done. Because it was never about what Jesus wanted. He was just doing what the Father asked him to do. And he was submissive to do it all the way to death. We are to submit all that we have unto God, unto death. We are to say, Lord, if we claim to be a Christian, if you claim to be a Christian today, and you claim to know Jesus Christ, then step up to the plate and be the Christian, the disciple, and the servant that Jesus has called you to do. Don't be half-time or sometime or maybe when I feel like it or a half-time. You've got to be sold out, consecrated to God, and say, I'm going in victory on top of victory no matter what comes no matter what comes my way I'm going to keep the faith I'm not looking around because I don't see certain people I don't see certain people here my, my, my salvation doesn't ride on how many people's in this church my love for Jesus doesn't ride on whether who comes and who doesn't My love for Jesus is unconditionally because he died for me and at least I can do is be faithful and be a faithful servant and serve him to the day I die. Yes, I go through things. Yes, I deal with things. But I still get up and I still fight and I keep on keeping on until Jesus calls me home. Give God praise in the house today. Hallelujah. My goodness, I hadn't even got started in my sermon yet. Listen, listen, God clearly says, Samuel, I know your heart. And God knew Samuel's heart because Hannah, his mother, was barren. She had no child, couldn't have children. But Hannah prayed to God and says, If you will give me a son, God, if you will just open up my womb and give me a son. She said, I will dedicate Samuel back to you, God, that he will be a gift given. And she begged God. She agonized with God. She didn't let up because she had a child, a child that she wanted, that she loved to have, that she yearned for, that she longed for. And God saw her heart. You know how he saw her heart? He saw her heart because she, he saw her praying. He saw her praying. She didn't let up. She didn't let go. She kept praying until God answered her prayer. And praise be to the Lamb of God. She had a child, Samuel, and Samuel was dedicated right back to God. Hallelujah. And Eli the priest began to talk with Hannah. And Hannah began to pray in the Spirit. Began to pray in the Spirit, warning her son. And Eli kept saying, Hannah, what are you doing? She said, he said, you're drunk. He said, you must be on something. You're weary. You're drunk. 
And Hannah says, no, I'm not drunk. I'm just praying in the Spirit. I'm just praying in the Spirit. Because she couldn't do what she could do, but she knew God could do what He could do. And she just began to release and say, Lord, it's in your hands. You see my heart. There's nothing that I've hidden from you that you do not know. And Lord, you see it all. You know it all. And God granted her request. She agonized. You've got to want to agonize with God. If you want something, you want something real bad, you keep praying and praying and praying and you still pray till God moves. Because, because here's the thing. If you don't, you're walking in sin and you're not walking in faith. We must walk in faith to please our Lord and Savior. We must walk in faith. Did you know that? We must walk in faith. We have to walk in faith. If we don't walk in faith, you're not pleasing God. If you're not praying like you need to be praying, then guess what? Prayerlessness becomes sin. And listen, folks, I'm going to tell you today, when you don't pray, you've just opened up the door for, that, for the devil to have a heyday in your life. You just uh, Listen, you can't serve both masters. You're going to love one or hate the other. And when you stop praying... When you stop talking and communicating with God, you just open up the door and said, Well, you've closed that door. Well, I'm going to come. The devil's going to say, Well, I'm going to come right on in. And I'm going to make myself home because I'm going to offer you some stuff that God hadn't offered you. Oh, I'm going to offer you more time on your phone. I'm going to offer you more time in television. I'm going to offer you more time with your movies. I'm going to offer more time for you. You're going to be so busy, you won't even need God. And guess what? You'll be like Samson in the Bible. He was a judge as well. He began to shake himself because he messed around with Delilah. And he messed around and he messed around and he messed around. And she said, oh, where's your power at, Samson? Where's your power? Where does it lie? Oh, it lies in my hands. Oh, and they bind his hands up and poof, the ropes were broke. Oh, Delilah says, Samson, you're just teasing me. Where is that power at? I know you got it. You big hunking, burning of love with them six packs. Oh, you Hercules kind of man. I know you got some power. Where is that? Oh, it's in my legs. Oh, they wrapped and bind his legs. Poof, legs went out. Oh, she says, come on, Samson. And see, Samson loved to do riddles. Oh, he was a jokester. He loved to joke all the time. But see, here was one thing that went a little too far because she kept wearing him out. Samson wasn't praying to God. Here again, this is the prayerlessness of sin. He didn't communicate with God. See, he didn't realize she was tantalizing him and she was causing him to get into all kind of things. Oh, she was beautiful. Oh, Samson was beautiful. Oh, wonderful, wonderful lady. Oh, that's what the devil does. The devil's not going to come up to you looking ugly. He's not a God. He's not a devil with a pitchfork and a tail. He's going to come in with a man that's got six packs. He's going to come in with a woman. It's all shaped up fine and nice. He's not going to come to you with ugliness. Oh, he's going to try to come with you with beauty. And see, Samson, she says, oh, Samson. She said, really, where's that power lie at? Samson said, it's in my hair. And what do you think happened? She went back. Talked with all the, the men and those that are around and says, I got him now. We'll cut his hair. And it was not a blade that was cut on the Nazarite's hair. 
because his hair was not to be cut. And when it was clipped, his power was gone. And Samson had played around, not praying, not communicating with God, not doing what he needed to have been done. And guess what? It's over. And the Bible says that he got so angry that he began to get between two columns and he pushed the columns and that that was around him. And he killed everybody around and him himself. Folks, I can't stress this enough in this new year. It is so important that you be praying. It is so important for you to be fasting. It is so important that you cannot have a prayerless life. Prayer is very essential. Prayer is over everything else. That is the foundation. Once you get to know the Lord Jesus Christ and He becomes your Lord and Savior and you've asked Him to come in your heart and life, you've made that profession of faith, after that is prayer. And if prayer is not, you need to make that your first priority because everything else around you, you can act like a Christian, you can think you are a Christian, you can go through the drama, you can go through the motions, you can go through all the rituals, coming to church, doing this, doing that, doing activities, doing all But if you're not praying and you're not backing up your walk with God in prayer, then guess what? Prayerlessness becomes sin. And when sin finishes, it is, it is death. Folks, I don't want us to be a dead church. I don't want us to have be dead in our lives. I want to be alive and well, vibrant, active in victory, and saying, Lord, I'm going to surrender everything to you. You see, we're quick. And let me say this. <coughs> I didn't even get into my message today. But we're quick to try to figure everything else. We're, we're kind of people that we want to fix everything. I want to fix this, I'm going to fix this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to fix this, I'm going to fix Listen, we're in a society that we want to fix everything. Listen, there are some things you cannot fix. Hear me today, folks. There are things that you cannot fix because we're not wrestling with flesh and blood, but we are wrestling with the principalities, rulers of darkness, of wickedness, in high places. We are dealing with the demonic. We are dealing with a world, a realm of evilness, folks, that's going on in our churches, going on in our world, going on in our lives. And if the devil can do what he can do to deceive us, the Bible says he will even try to deceive the very elect because his time's running out. Prayerlessness will become sin to us if we don't put prayer first in our hearts and in our lives. Stand with, stand with me across the building today. <coughs>